the wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast where three nerdy friends talk about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 1, Episode 4, Aes Sedai Red Bull, One Power Flavor. I'm Steven. I'm Justin. And I'm Michelle. Stick around with us as we discuss Chapters 9 through 13 of The Eye of the World. All right, guys. Another week, another episode. <laughs> yeah. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how y'all doing this week? Ooh, well, it's a week. It is a week. <laughs> it is a week. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Doing good. Doing good. Oh. Oh man, happy to be moving forward. Yep. Yes. Yes, but but I'm getting to a point now where it's like I want to go so much faster. <laughs> Yeah, same here. It's actually kind of throwing me off. The thing is, I've read these stories before, or at least this book before, and I really don't want to put it down. Yep. It's it's reached that point because every book has this point where it reaches that point where it's reached that point now where it's like, okay, now I just need to finish this up and see what the story takes me. Oh, but we can't do it. (laughs) Nope. Nope. All right, you guys ready to get started? Gotta go bit by bit. But yeah, let's go. What are we doing this week? Because the more the more episodes we have, the more the more chapters I can read. So that's right. All right. So before nearly succumbing to the lure of a mysterious white tower in his dreams, Rand jolts back to reality, awakening to a frustrated and disoriented two rivers. After a reminder of their courageous roots, the townspeople tightened their resolve as Moraine, Land, and their band of three, no, four, five, adventurers quickly set off for Tarvalin. With shadows spun on their tail, the travelers managed to cross the Terran and find relative safety on the other side. Revelations abound as the party attempts to rest. Guys, we need to talk about the White Tower in Rand's dream. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about this white tower let's just talk about the dream in general actually um before we get in that by the way we're discussing chapters 9 through 13 this week so if 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 you're listening with us you haven't read that yet make sure you go and do that uh before you listen any further because we want you to experience this um you know the, the get the best experience as you can anyway okay Back to business. <laughs> Preemptive spoiler alert, guys. There's a white tower. Um, <laughs> right. There's a white before, tower there. Before we get into that, does yes. anybody else feel like chapter nine could have been an entire episode all on its own? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I think we. I could have sat here and talked about that chapter for probably two hours. I mean, that's a, it's, it's its own little mini book in itself, wasn't but, it? But Actually, we when I went back, I was like. I thought that this was multiple chapters when I went back to kind of like refresh myself on it. Right. I was like, oh my gosh, no, that was all chapter nine. Yeah. 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 Um, but unfortunately, if we want to get through it in any kind of a normal pace, I couldn't do that. If it was up to me, every episode would be one chapter, but <laughs> we would never get through this. We'd That's be right. sitting here. It would take us, you know, 15, 16 years to get say, through the book series. It would, it would we'd, take still, a, we'd still be sharing the sheep right now. It would take a year or more to get through one one, one book. Yeah. But, 
but the chapter does start with uh, a dr- Rand is having a dream, and I think it becomes obvious pretty quick that it is a dream. But man, talk about intense! I was, I, you know, I was definitely, I, I kind of felt myself in Rand's shoes, so to speak, and I, I was getting a little uncomfortable. Just, just thinking about all the things that he was going through in that dream. So I'm like, wh- what is the temptation? You know what I mean? Like that's that's what was going on in my mind. Because you have this dark force that's kind of following him around. Yeah. But then on the other side, you have this white tower that the townspeople kind of want him to face. So in my mind, I was like, is Rand on the tipping point of something? I I was expecting, in all honesty, I was expecting this dream to. Even though it's only chapter nine, I was expecting this dream to kind of be some kind of huge tipping point. But, you know, that's just the thing, though, is we get to the end of it and I think we have more questions than answers. Don't you think? It's like they gave him a taste. You know what I mean? Because the way he woke up from the the dream, because in the dream, you know, the the mirror is kind of following him around throughout this dream. And Mm -hmm. supposedly the dark one is in the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure his face was in the sky at one point. Stephen, do you have any thoughts about the about the dream? He's just having remin- he's reminiscing right now of, of <laughs> days past <laughs> his, his first his first time seeing the dark one in the sky. I think he's enjoying <laughs> listening to us. I am. I really uh, am. Um, I guess I my thoughts are I guess what do y'all think caused this dream? Like, do you think it's just all the events that have been happening over the last couple, you know, the Trolloc attack and everything it's, it's got all this stirred up and ran subconscious or do you think it's something more malevolent? uh, Well, definitely. I would think that, I mean, obviously there was the revelation, I believe in the last chapter that the reason the Trollocs and the Murdral were in Emmons field was because of Rand and, uh, Perrin and Matt supposedly I would I would think well even even you know that's what he's been told so that's got to be playing on his mind okay but a part of me thinks too it's his age as well or or whatever because she did tell them like you know it's you and your friends are this particular age yeah and you guys are why the Trollocs are here a part of me thinks like whatever is supposed to happen to him at this particular age is also why he might be having this dream And that's why I thought it was a tipping point. Like, okay, so he's coming of age and now it's like, it's kind of like, oh, do you want to choose the dark side or, you know? Mm. Well, yeah, he does keep getting that, that voice in his head. It says, you know, serve me and it's your destiny. It's so exciting. You know? Yeah. He, he, the voice that he, he thinks uh, that he calls out and he names the dark one in the dreams. Yeah. you know, something we talked about, they tell people not to do, but here he is doing it. Like and, actually conversing with them. And he said it's petrifying. Yeah, I love I love that moment after he wakes up when he's like, does naming the dark one in a dream do the same thing as, <laughs> as if you name him while you're awake? <laughs> but, you know, admittedly, I would be afraid of that, too. I, I would be in- extremely uncomfortable thinking about that as well. But yeah. honestly, I feel like we could probably do a whole episode or, or three episodes talking about this dream alone. Just about the dream. <laughs> not, like, not, the, not the whole of chapter nine, just the dream. No, the dream about. alone. There's a lot yeah. to think about. But, I, you know, I, I feel like there's probably going to be some answers revealed um, 
what? as we go forward. One thing that 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 I thought about though is I was um I was kind of going back and re-listening is, you know, didn't Moraine want to know if if Rand and I assume the other young men as well if they had any strange dreams? Huh? Didn't she say I, something about that to him about about his dreams? I don't remember that. She did actually. Um back in let's see the chapter was out of was... the wood chapter seven yeah chapter uh, seven yep oh and i can actually pull that up real fast it? yeah it was chapter seven uh how are oh, your dreams yeah. randall thor my dreams a night like that can give a man bad dreams rand if you have nightmares you must tell me of it yeah. i can oh, help with bad dreams my goodness oh but i don't think he did tell her no he, he didn't did not. no he did not and 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 again i'm i'm kind of curious whether or not matt and perrin had similar dreams and obviously they didn't say anything about it and rand didn't say anything to them so i feel uh, like if matt had a dream like this he would say it automatically he doesn't think he so. doesn't come off as someone who keeps secrets to me hmm yeah, you're probably right about that. I don't know, though. Um, oh, man. Rand, Rand, you're always messing up. She said, <laughs> tell me about your dreams. No, he messed up. He keeps on messing up. I, I'm going to we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But I think, let's, I let's think move we will. Forward. But... I just yeah. think I just think he doesn't know if he can trust Moraine. That's you true. Know, this is she is still very like he can trust his friends. He can trust Egwene. But this mysterious woman who's come into his town. Oh, you could have. She's Steven, done you good missed out. You missed out on the chance to write. You can trust your friends. You can trust Egwene. But my oh mine, do not trust Moraine. It's like you could have made a rhyme out of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I just think it's, you know, that's how most people would be. You know, you're not going to immediately just like trust this strange magical woman who's come into your life. Everything in your life has been upturned and here she is sailing you. You have to leave everything you've ever known, everyone you've ever known and flee. You know, you're not going to trust, you know. I find, I find, in all honesty, I find Rand and that's, I guess that's another theme to go with. I find them all so frustrating. Um, it's kind of like, um, it, you know, you can bring this down to any superhero movie or anything. It's kind of irritating. It's like the more you help, the more the humans complain. Mm. It's like, what more do you need me to do to show that I'm on your side or that I'm not as evil as you think I am? Um, because I, I guess we hadn't mentioned this yet. You know, when when Rand does wake up, the townspeople are up in arms. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's true. I mean, you know, Land comes in and tells him there might be trouble. Well, that trouble is a band of villagers who are pretty much trying to run Moraine out of Moraine and Land out of town. Trying to trying to burn the witch, basically. But they know they can't, yeah. so they're just trying to run them out. Yep. And she looks so you know, tired. Yeah, you know something that that stood out to me about those scenes, and you know, we'll, this will kind of transition into the next big part of our discussion. But Sin Bui in this chapter. You know, he's there with Coplins and, and Congers, and we, we've heard before about what kind of people they are, but we've, you know, we've, we've seen this side of Sinbui that he's, you know, a little bit pernicious, you know, a little bit of a, of a stick in the mud sometimes. But here, you know, at least to me, he comes across as maybe he's got a little bit of sense because he's, you know, he's there with them, but at the same time, you get the sense that he maybe doesn't really want to be there or he knows that he shouldn't be. He's not 100% there. Yeah. Yeah. 
but that was just something that stood out to me was well, maybe he's got a little bit of sense after all. I mean, he is on the village council after all. So oh, it's just frustrating. You, you, she's clearly so wary up there, not because she's scared, but exhausted. Um, as you know, Lan will show you her, her little wolf. Um, that she's exhausted from all the things that she did to save these people and heal them. And then yeah. here you guys are with your little pitchforks. Well, it's, it's, it's prejudice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. that's you, hate exact, some, and, you, hate, you hate someone that's different. Yeah. Well, well and, and you hate the things that you're, you're unfamiliar with. And that's exactly what's going on here is, you know, well, they've, they've heard all these stories, uh, most of which kind of either exaggerated or misrepresented the truth. And now, they're believing that to be what is the truth man does that sound familiar or not <laughs> right <laughs> i think yeah. that's life and all that's that's a series of just that's continuous just life though yeah, that, that, you, you you really people fight what they don't know and it's it's yeah. why we also have a lot of animals that are extinct you know you can you can you can uh, attribute this to everything but right. um so, but man, that was really frustrating for me. It just plus, uh, it, made me roll my eyes. And you have to take into account these people are living quiet lives. They're just farmers and villagers. All of a sudden, these monsters out of stories show up and attack, killing people, burning buildings. And then this magic woman from the stories appears to fight them. But at the same time, you know, you're just the simple villager and all this happens, you're going to start putting, like, you're connecting them. Your mind is, okay, so these monsters never were here, and all of a sudden this woman comes, and the monsters come with her. You know, it's just natural for them to assume they're connected. That she's bringing her problems, basically. Yeah. Mm. Because I just, uh, the thing that just still- bothered me is the fact that they believe she's evil. I mean, it's one thing for her to, to bring these problems in, but, I mean, come on. Yeah, they still could have been a little bit more grateful. Well, the, the stories, I mean, they even mentioned like, and Egwene mentioned it in uh, an earlier chapter that the Aes Sedai are the, like, according to the stories, the Aes Sedai are the cause of the breaking of the world. Mm. Yeah. Like, they are, <sighs> they are more often than not in these stories painted as the villains. Right. They're always... But that tells it, you a lot, it, though. It, it, but it goes, it, and, and that brings up, you know, kind of another... Uh, thought that i've noticed is is the danger of misinformation absolutely you know yep. their their prejudices about the Aes Sedai are based on it's based on what they know but what they know is not the truth they think yep. it's the truth but it's not really and and that's always a, a big danger anyway speaking of the truth we get some revelation about the truth about emmons field and its history Steven, you want to go into that just a little bit? Oh, do I? I absolutely <laughs> love this. Um, so we get to learn about Manetherin. Yes. And the Red Eagle and the fighting in the Trolloc Wars, the uh, the kingdom that was Manetherin, the kingdom that once ruled all through this area uh, in the Mountains of Mist that everybody refers to and talks about how it's bad to go there. This is why. <laughs> mm. uh, this is why people don't go there anymore. It's there's me- this memory they have from long ago keeps them away. Uh, but they live now in this place where all this blood was shed to to gain this land and to hold it fast. Uh, there's so much that happens here. It's almost like uh, 
the epic stand, like that you think of uh, the Spartans and the three hundred. Mm, yeah, this is it's yeah. is very akin to that. It really that's is. how I was that's how I was imagining it. It's like yeah. uh, it was like an epic film, uh, kind of in slow motion. Yeah, like, that's it, how I imagine it. That's a really good. That's a really good uh, analogy. Yeah. 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 And, well, and they, what kind of fighting force was must this have been to be referred to as a thorn in the dark one? Right. So I exactly. love I loved that quote uh, kind of early it, when Moraine is telling the story. The men of Manetherin were a thorn to the dark one's foot and a bramble to his hand. Sing of Manetherin, the uh, that would never bend the knee or never bend knee to the shadow. Sing of Manetherin. The sword that could not be broken. I totally butchered the quote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still, I still felt it in my heart. But, but, but it just, that just, that's just stood out to me so much that, you know, this was a people that, and, and the people of Emmons Field and the Two Rivers, they have this proud history that, that they've forgotten. Uh, even some of them say, you know, when she first brings up the idea that they were once somebody else, they say, oh, we've never been anything but simple farmers. Now, albeit, it's been a long time. Like, Manetherin right. has not been gone even a even hundred years. I mean, we're talking the Trollic Wars happened not too long after the breaking of the world. Right, right. The Trollic so, Wars, I, I, and I actually, I was wondering about that as I was reading, and then I, I noticed that the Trollic Wars were about 2,000 years um, before where we are in the story now, I think is what I gathered. Yes, so, yeah, it's hold, been, hold on. It's this been this was the time. time period for Manetherin as well. Like this, this story that she was telling happened two thousand years ago. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I so, thought. I thought for a second. I thought you said it happened one hundred. I'm like, no, no, no. That's no, not. That's not no. far back enough for this behavior. Oh no, I was saying it was. It's not like it was a hundred years ago. It was oh, much yeah. longer. Right, so right. you know the events of the prologues uh, with Luz Theron. That's three thousand roughly years ago. And the events of Manetherin falling happened about 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not recent history by any means, but it is still horribly sad that it's been forgotten, even by the people that once called that place home. Yeah. Uh, even if it I has appreciated been 2,000 her for years. This. I appreciated that that's her response to them. Like after all the nonsense they're coming at her with. I mean, if it was me, I just would have drawn up a, a bit of a fireball or something. Uh, remind them uh, remember your place you know you have that english accent come out somewhere um snap them back into into action and then leave but she actually reminded them about their past so and what a past to be reminded of what do y'all think of this this tale and what all is happening here with it says a lot it It explains a lot about edmund's field doesn't it well you know it it tells us a lot about why it's so unique and cut off from everyone even, even how it got its name uh, you know, it was at one point Amon's field, and and I guess we can assume that that's been kind of um, telephone changed over time to Emmons field. So I mean, you can you can see the relationship though. Um, but you know, one in, in one sense, it is a fantastic story of heroism and you know something that should make these people proud that this is their history but then there's also a lot of sadness and tragedy involved too that you know these people who had fought for so long so hard and been such a i mean they sounds like they had been helping everybody else going all over the world fighting against the shadow and then when their 
essentially making their last stand. Nobody comes to their aid. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Let me ask you guys that. Why do you think no one shows up when they said they would? You know what's interesting? Wasn't it just one person? Wasn't it just Eamon fighting by himself at one point? And then the villagers even came to his aid? So, no, it wasn't him by himself. It was him and the Initially. Army. Yeah. It was him and the army of men that had been away fighting. They marched nonstop to get back in time. And they made it to stand against the Trollocs. Okay. Then, okay. And what's happening there is as they have fought and fought and fought, they know they're not going to win. The uh, queen uh, is evacuating the city and trying to get all the people to safety, but the people just aren't having it. They're and they came over. Yeah, the villagers are picking up their pitchfork. Like the common folk in the city, instead of fleeing for their lives, decide to go and fight alongside the army. Go down fighting rather than yeah. fleeing. <laughs> yeah. The men going, their women picking up, you know, and fighting right alongside their men. Uh, it's, it's just an, an amazing scene here. Yeah. You know, we can, I mean, I guess there's a lot of reasons we could think of that, you know, no aid came to them. I mean, I know there's something mentioned about Eamon feeling the betrayal. And I guess that would lead us to believe that the help just didn't come. But I mean, I guess it's also possible that, you know, something happened to them along the way and they just didn't make it. You know, you, you, you kind of, wonder exactly what did happen and i don't i don't know if we really get the detail here um no we, as to why that is the case but why they didn't make it I, I felt like the focus of that story was mainly the fact that he came with his army they were clearly losing the queen's evacuating the people but the people came over to fight i think that's the point she was trying to make yeah, um they, to, they to everyone at Edmondsfield. Yeah, they stood and fought anyway and you know i think i, I think some of that grit is still there and we talk about how hardy and stubborn the two rivers folk are and uh, it kind of makes sense when we read about their their past their ancestors i'm so glad she reminded them of that because you could feel that everything shifted everyone felt their shame absolutely yep well uh do y'all have any other thoughts or comments before we move on to the next little section uh, uh no probably, no comments here probably about a million things i could say but we don't have time <laughs> i know right that, so. I, was like, I was like we don't have the time for it unless we want to make a part three four five uh we got right. we'll, we'll move right I could, I could just talk about that story for <laughs> that's another episode in itself right all right, right. well let's move on to leave takings then so just how just how many people are gonna join this party anyways i oh, mean man. come on i mean you come know, on every, I, at one point i started like i just threw my i threw the book down like come on guys like and can we, like, we gotta go i mean does does anybody else when when you were reading this did, did you see the scene from fellowship of the ring when you know they're forming the fellowship and you know you have you know you have aragorn legolas gimli they join up with frodo and then oh here comes sam he says you know i'm joining up and then oh wait here's mary and pippin they're coming along too and i, I what I, the whole time i'm reading this section i just see you know that look that um Elrond has on his face in the film when uh, Merry and Pippin pop out and run up. I was seeing that look on his face the whole time. 
<laughs> I, I can just I can feel I can feel Land's attitude through the book through the pages. Yeah, and right. I I was right there with him. I was like, this is getting ridiculous now. I yeah. think I think the Gleeman literally jumped out like from a, a bale of hay or something. Like he something something he he made it even more dramatic than it needed to be. Yeah. Can we talk about poor poor Perrin forgetting to check the loft? Yeah, I know. Like Perrin, come on, oh, you have one job, one job, Perrin. Uh, poor guy. Yeah. Like like uh, Egwene is one thing, but I mean, come on, the Gleeman. <laughs> but um, uh, but you know, you I was know, kind of frustrated with that though. I, I I have to admit, when she came along, or or when she popped in, insisting to come along, it's like when you have that bratty little sibling that just won't go away. I was like, get out of here. Like, this yeah. isn't about you. Yeah. Well, you know, even even throughout these these other chapters, as they as they start on the journey, you know, it just at points, it seems like Egwene just doesn't get how much danger they're actually in. It, she it's, just feels, it, it, you know, she just comes across as, hey, you know, I'm going on an adventure and it, I'm going to. It's not fun. even like that. She comes across as like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to go. Like, uh, man, I think she called him like Randolph Thor. Like, she actually named his whole, like, his actual full name. That's so irritating. It just, uh, gosh, it reminds me of a show. I don't even know. It's like, um, but you know what I'm talking about, where she's just unnecessarily stubborn. And the yeah, thing I, is, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, what were you saying? I think it really boils down to showing, like, I don't think she's completely dense to no. what's happened. But I think it just is her resolve to the fact that she wants out. She wants honesty, though, to get out, and this is her one chance that she sees for an adventure. She's grown up listening to the stories. She knew that her lot in life was probably not going to be to ever leave. Her one chance, she thought, might be to become a wisdom at another village. But now she has a chance to she really see the world. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what I will say, though? Uh, out of all of them, uh, I'm not counting uh, the Gleeman. He's just, he's his own entity. But um, out of all of them, uh, Egwene seems like the least childish. Not, not I mean, Rand aside, she seems like the least childish. Perrin and Matt have been getting on my nerves a little bit, too. They just seem like children to me. Um, do you, did you guys get that um, impression when you first read um, this chapter? Well, how, what's, how old do you think they all are at this point? Oh, man. I feel like they're hitting puberty. I feel like they ha- can't be more than 14, 13, 14. They just seem so airheaded to me. Do you think that I'm assuming he's doing this on purpose where we don't know their age exactly? Because I keep on waiting and waiting and waiting for it. And I still don't know how old these boys are. Deep pause says that's a spoiler that I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to get into later on in the story. I, I mean, I don't know. Is it really a spoiler? Uh- I don't think it's, it's a spoiler. It just hasn't really been talked about yet. Yeah. You know, later on, if I find out that these kids are actually like 28, I'm going to be done. I'm not <laughs> reading this book anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm not reading this book anymore. But, you know, I can tell that Lan had to be so frustrated because Moraine is just like, well, you know, it's, it's, has to, it's, in, it's all in the pattern. Yeah, it's like Lan, when you Lan, it's like when you tell on someone and they just the, the grown up just doesn't pay attention. Yeah. Lan is feeling so helpless right now. <laughs> yeah. He can't do he can't do anything. Um, yeah. but, um know, I felt a bit depressed though when they when they did set off. Um mm. <laughs> I, you know, you could kind of feel it. It's like it was just kind of depressing. It was it was, you know, you see the villagers kind of finally taking a stand, and no one knows that these kids are missing yet, and mm. they're leaving the village for the last time. 
And I now understand why he started the book a little bit slowly, I guess, those first few chapters. It's like you kind of grew up in Two Rivers and now we're just leaving it. Mm, yeah. Um, yep. The only person who knows they're leaving is Tam because Rand's the only person who him. didn't do what he was told. And that's the only person that Moraine got frustrated with. <laughs> yep. it's, like, it's like everyone else could know and it, these boys just stumbling around and everything. Everyone else will notice that, but that's the one thing she did not like. I I am a little bit down that Tam is not joining them right now because, like I said, he he was my favorite. Um, well, he needs to rest. I guess. He can, he I can, guess he can and protest he, all he wants. He needs to rest. And he and does he talk brought, about trying to meet them up on the road, right? Once right, he recovers, right. he's not so. meeting them up on the road. He's 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 not he's not leaving. Uh, don't don't catch him there. But yeah, I did feel a little bit sad that they're leaving Sam. Uh, something that I was very interested in is why the the previous eight chapters anytime that tom Marilyn has been around moraine he has seemed extremely uncomfortable and he has even mentioned yeah. several times that he didn't really want anything to do with Aes Sedai. and now all of a sudden that he he's okay with traveling with one now i can understand you know maybe wanting to travel for safety um he you know it's time it's time for him to move on from the village anyway. And there's this group that's leaving. So yeah, might as well travel with them. There's strength in numbers, but then he seems to be excited about the idea of going to Tar Valen. Insistent, which, like, which like insistent we, on following them. You know, we understand is a city full of Aes Sedai. So why, why the sudden change, Tom? Did you get the feeling that, uh, well, I mean, okay. So when you guys initially read this, my thoughts on Tom's sudden changes, I, I keep on, can't, I can't shake the feeling that he's, I don't know, I, I guess the term is now dark friend. He just seems like a spy to me. Like, what is your purpose? And the fact that Lan was questioning or, or skeptical of him, I trust Lan. I trust his instincts. The fact, the fact that he was skeptical of Tom uh, tells me, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I, I don't know, he's not someone to be trusted. And I feel like, you know, of course you would want to go, um, where Aes Sedai are, who else has been able to infiltrate that um, uh, Tar Valen? Oh, what better way than to pretend that you you want to follow this band of travelers, like, like you're an ally? Yeah, and, and I think we definitely have have good reason to trust Lan. Absolutely. Uh, for sure, so. Lan is basically just, he, he comes off as an extension of Moraine to me. Well, there, there is a, definitely a close bond be between them, which I think we get a little bit into in these chapters, don't we? A little uh. bit. A little bit. So the party, let's, uh, I guess, move along then, unless you'll have any more comments about how our party seems to come together here. Just kind of slap together. <laughs> but hey, we have to go with it. So what I think we'll move on to next is let's talk a little bit about the Aes Sedai and more importantly, Moraine specifically. So the party makes its way out. They're being hounded by this Drakkar above. Uh, they make it to the ferry and make it across. And then lo and behold, what does Moraine do? She summons a whirlpool and wipes out the ferry. Allegedly. <laughs> I would, allegedly. I would, allegedly. Like, yes, I would like to point out <laughs> that it isn't explicitly said. It is not. That she that she destroyed the ferry. It is heavily implied, though. Let, it, let us not fall for these past stories. Weren't we just talking about acceptance? She just, <laughs> like, let's not blame everything on the Aes Sedai. Wrong well, I, place at the wrong time. I, I 
do agree. I think it was Rand that says something about she all but admitted to, you know, destroying the fairy. And but admitted to. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Rand on that one. But it, but it is never explicitly stated that she was responsible. But I think it's heavily hinted at. Just wrong place but, at the but, wrong time. But and she is the one who actually set up the fog too, didn't she? She yeah, I think we're I think we're clued into that for sure because she sets it up so that it um you know just perfectly follows the line of the river and doesn't extend further than that. And and strategically, we we might add it was her plan to do that all along to get the Drakkar to follow the river instead of following them. So what's the yeah. issue? Uh, you know, okay, so she allegedly sunk the ferry. The Trollocs would have paid this guy to cross on his ferry? Like, what's the Like, I don't understand what the threat was. Was she trying to either, a, well, like, there's two things here. Was she trying to make sure the guy did not have a ferry to, you know, allow the Trollocs to pass on? Or was it the fact that she didn't want him to make it back to Tar Valen and actually talk to everyone that's there? You mean make it back to Terran Ferry? Sorry, Taryn Ferry. Yeah, so I think it's not so much to do with Mr. Hightower as it is that ferry is the only ferry and it's the only way to get across the river easily. Um, so if the ferry is still there, the Trollocs can hop on the ferry and use it, pull it themselves to get across. That's true. If she destroys the ferry, then they have to go down river to get around. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to say, I'm assuming there are other ways across the river, up and down river. Otherwise, how are uh, Master Hightower and his men going to get back across? Yeah, I think that's why she put the fog there, just so they can think that they went another way up and down the river. Well, I think she um, said that she said that was so they could, you know, leave the suggestion that, you know, they traveled, you know, up river instead of crossing the river. Yeah, yeah. because she makes a, a clear point. There's no fog across the river. The fog, it's basically, oh, here's the fog and the Drakkar can't see it. So now the merge all has to take time instead of going across the river before he even does that. He's going to take time to search this side of the river in the fog to try and find if they've went that way. So it, it buys them time, even though without the ferry, it's going to take them longer to get, get across. Now with the fog, it's going to, they're going to stall even longer, which right. is going to buy them very much needed time because before they reach the ferry, I mean, they are probably the Trollocs are probably right on their heels. They were right, right there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and did he see her face? Did Hightower see Moraine? Not so much. Um, did, which, did he know that she was there? It just it seemed. I remember she was she was kind of arguing with Land, like saying like you know we need to make sure he doesn't see me or remember me. Does he know that she's there? I think that's for plausible deniability. Like if. If the, the fairy sinks, a whirlwind sinks it, you could try and explain that away as a natural phenomenon. If his mind doesn't relate that to this random noble woman. Okay. Because if he sees her and connects the fairy sinking to her, he's going to, in his mind, connect it and say, Aes Sedai. So he does not know that there's an Aes Sedai. That was her plan. Is okay. Okay. To keep who, who she is hidden from this person so that he doesn't go telling tales. Okay. At least that's what it's I kind, It's kind of opinion. odd that there's like a band of Aes Sedai and people still think that these are all stories. Like, you know, you know what I mean? I guess they really keep to themselves. Well, that's it, a question. It, it seems how, like no one's there to disperse whatever myths there are out there. Yeah. Well, how many Aes Sedai do you think there are? I feel like it's a handful. 
because she said, well, okay, okay. She said that, you know, it would take a dozen of her sisters. I feel like it can't be more than like a hundred. I don't think it's a, it's a lot of Aes Sedai out there. Okay. So it seems like, the... it seems like it was once a strong group and now it's kind of like withered away a little bit. Okay. So given that you have the whole scope of the world, I mean, there are only so many, you know, they're obviously not going to be everywhere, especially not in these little backwater villages. So the stories, there's not going to be an Aes Sedai coming around to correct any of these uh, falsehoods or mistruths. They've got bigger fish to fry than these little farmers and shepherds out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> hey, but hey, we're going to talk about that soon, aren't we? I guess kind of the origin of an Aes Sedai. Yep. So before we move on to the next section, um, Justin, you did talk and bring up the idea of the relationship between Aes Sedai and warders. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to find where some of that information is in the book where Lan kind of talks a little bit about, I know he mentioned something about benefits that he gets from being Moraine's warder. Yeah. I really enjoy I, when Land talks more and more. I know, Isn't it kind of fascinating? Yeah. I know one of the things that's mentioned is, you know, and it's kind of brought to the forefront is he doesn't get tired like the others do, uh, because when they're when they stop, uh, I think just below Watch Hill to for her to kind of refresh the horses, and and or maybe it's later when they stop in the little the little hideout that he mentions that, you know, Moraine's gonna do something for the horses she's going to do something for uh, all the other travelers to kind of help refresh them but that he doesn't need it and of course that she can't do it to herself i, I think now it was I when i think it was when she was um when she was uh helping the horses um yeah, he was I, saying that he, he, that he, he said he now. says that he tries to insist that she doesn't help him because he doesn't need it um, but right. she does it anyway so I'm, I'm guessing that means she can't even heal herself is this a is this a form of healing getting rid of the tiredness yes Okay. Yeah, I was actually wondering that if that was actually healing or if it was some other uh, work with the power. Oh, that's so scary to hear, though. But so what it is, um, it's a washing away of the fatigue. It's basically a form of healing, but not a physical form so much. It's more a form of healing that basically tricks the mind into thinking you've rested. But if you push it too far your body will still give out. Which is why, why right. Land says that the horses would have run until they dropped dead. Yeah, so it's more of like a a, a healing that kind of like tricks the body into thinking it's rested. It's not like an actual healing. There's not an actual like strengthening of the muscles and things like that. None of that. It's just basically, it's almost like giving your body a shot of adrenaline. <laughs> I was going to say it's like uh, an Aes Sedai Red Bull kind of thing. <laughs> I was going to yeah. I was going to say five hour energy shot. It's a five hour energy shot. Yeah. Um, but the, we do have a little bit of something from uh, back when in chapter nine, when Rand is talking with Tam, he mentions land um, and he he does warn Rand about the warders and the bond that they share. He says, if you tell land something, he, you've as good as told Moraine. Right. If he's that her should warder, be understood. That's where yeah, it was. If he's okay. if he's a warder, if he's a warder, then he's bonded to her as sure as the sun rose this morning, and he won't keep many secrets from her, if any. That he should did. be understood. I mean, come on. Yeah, and then Rand talks about uh, what he does know about warders is all from the stories. He says he knows it has something to do with the power. 
mm-hmm. uh, the warders receive some kind of a gift or there's some type of an exchange. Uh, he knows that warders got all sorts of benefits from it. According to the stories, they healed quicker than other men. They could go longer without food, water, or sleep. Uh, supposedly, warders can, because of the bond, sense trollics when they're near and other creatures of the Dark One, um, which explains part of how Rand and Moraine knew the attack was coming before it got there. Right. Like, and Rand, how they were Rand, able to. Well, yeah. You said Rand. <laughs> Oh, I said I meant so basically. Land. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that that do you, explains. You guys, you guys sometimes picture like video games when you're when you're when you're um reading this. Like I always picture Skyrim. He's oh, okay. like a familiar or a com- companion. You know what I mean? Where they're connected to you and connected to your health. Uh-huh. That's what he. That's what he comes off as to me. Do you think that's kind of accurate, um, Stephen? Uh, to an extent, but I think it goes both ways. Um, oh. But we don't we don't know yet exactly the extent of it although i will draw y'all's attention uh to one part of it let's see if i can get to the right page um so remember back in our story of menethrin yes um so the queen eldreen uh is an isodai yeah uh, so the queen of menethrin is an isodai and if you'll notice uh it says uh, yeah. In Sorry. the mountains of mist, alone in the emptied city of Menethrin, Eldreen felt Aemon die, yeah. and her heart died with him. Ooh. And where where her heart had been was left only a thirst for vengeance, vengeance for her love, and vengeance for her people and for her land. Uh, so basically, what we're hinted at here, and what's not spelled out for us, but you can definitely see looking at this from this angle. Eldraine was an Aes Sedai, and King Aemon was her warder. Oh, that is so cool. And so when he fell to the Trollocs when he was fighting, she could feel it. And it basically, she then goes into almost like a rage and destroys the entire army by doing something. He, she, this is the second instance of this happening. So she does uh, what, I, what we'll refer to as a lose Theron. She draws in more of the power than she can possibly control. And un- instead of making a volcano, she wipes out an entire army, thousands think, upon thousands. Yeah, I think when I, I think I remember now when I was reading that, I did pick up on that and kind of made the connection that he was probably her warder. So these people who are so uh, scared of Aes Sedai and everything like that, they warranted. They well, they come from a royal line that is made of those things. It's, it's kind their, of warranted, though. I can, I can see where the fear comes from. Like, look at her power; she wiped out an entire army. Yeah, yeah, that, that's just le- just a one blow. It's legitimate. I mean, it, I mean, it's it's, it's fair, but yeah. you know, I, oh man, I have to go and reread that story later. Then, and so, also the prologue. Yeah. So, leading forward from that, we uh, they finally get some rest on the other side of the river. Um, and we find out something new about Dear Egwene. Uh, what do you guys think about this little revelation we have here and the entire little uh, sideways conversation we have here about the one power? And what a sideways conversation, right? <laughs> like, out of nowhere. We're over here trying to rest. You know, horses still haven't had water yet. And now we're just going to throw Aes Sedai on Egwene. And you know what's crazy to me? The fact that, well, you know what? Has Egwene ever been hesitant about Aes Sedai? What was interesting to me was the fact that previously, uh, I assumed that she had, the, I had assumed that she had the same attitude as the boys. 
and that she found Aes Sedai terrifying and evil. But then the second she finds out that she is also an Aes Sedai or could be an Aes Sedai, suddenly it's exciting and she stands up for them and, you know, she's behind them 100%. Did anyone else find that a little bit um, interesting? Her her attitude, definitely. I mean, it, it does feel like it's almost something that she really wanted or that she had been maybe dreaming of or something like that. I don't know if she was dreaming of it. But I, I, mean, I mean, her, her attitude about, about it kind of makes it feel that way. She's, it's it's like she just wanted an adventure now here it, it's like you know before she just wants to be a wisdom and first she wanted to have a braid in her hair and then she wanted to be a wisdom and now it's like oh i want to be an Aes Sedai. yeah it's like whatever whatever she sees herself capable of becoming she, suddenly she's like what it, it doesn't even take five minutes for her to suddenly become 100 supporter of it it was just kind of interesting to me because based off the attitude of the villagers and the boys You'd think she would be terrified, but instead she's just so excited. She's, she she very much is. She's very excited about it. Well, I mean, in all honesty, who wouldn't be excited? Oh yeah, to discover the oh yeah powers. This is uh, this is the Hogwarts letter of like I'm well, pretty sure of like the Wheel of Time. This well, is spe- exciting. Speaking as a man, I might be a little bit nervous. <laughs> it's something it's something concerning. Yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely, and that is a, a good point to bring up. It is very different here, uh, and Egwene and Moraine even talk about it, the difference in how everything is perceived with men and women channeling. Mm -hmm. Uh, The women, it's okay, it's encouraged. The men have to be hunted down and gentled or killed because they'll go mad and break the world again. So it's very different if you're a guy in this world as opposed to a young woman. (laughs) What do you call the men that can touch the power? Like, what are they called? Well, once upon a time, they were called Aes Sedai, just like the women. Uh, Oh. But now they're just called male channelers. They don't have a society. Because they shouldn't exist. Because, well, well, and we actually learn a little bit about this. We're introduced to uh, the idea of the Ajas among the Aes Sedai, the uh, societies that the they kind of divide themselves into and we're introduced to this red aja who pretty much their their pr- uh, prime goal is to prevent another breaking of the world by hunting down the men who can channel yep kind of interesting though right like what do you it made me kind of look again at uh at rand and and the whole event that happened at edmund's field like is he <laughs> i guess also a male sadai um, but I guess she would have killed him by now. Because a part of me, when I when I read that um, part, was is she bringing them along um, for the protection of the village, or is she bringing them along just to confirm whether or not they are what she thinks they are, so she can you know get to them and, and handle it right then and there. She definitely has some 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 motives that we, that aren't clear for us yet. I think because it's it's because it's not for she she's not doing this all for the good of the village or anything. I feel like it's also for her curiosity. And some other kind of reason. Yeah. Also, I, I wanted to I wanted to ask more about the wisdom too. Is okay. every wisdom a potential Aes Sedai? That's something that came across my mind. Like, like does the can the women's uh, council kind of tell who has the power? Well, you know I, that uh, one of the questions that you know I, I brought up was we're we're told that there's another girl in Emmons Field. Yes. Who can channel or could potentially channel, um, and. You know, we're not really given any clue about who it could be, but I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's it can't be Nanave, I think, because is I think she's in her twenties. 
Um, well, no, that but, doesn't mean anything though, because I guess I guess it's not like oh, you outgrow your ability to channel or anything. Um, the only other girl that I know of is just you know Nanave. I don't know, Stephen. That, what do you what do you think? Well, I mean, it it could be any number of girls. I mean, I there was know. a whole village of them just because we weren't didn't meet one yet. Yeah. And, and, and then and Moraine is pretty clear that it's not hers right to share that information right. and, and Egwene actually mentions a couple of names but we don't yeah. know anything she's just, about, she's just naming names she, yeah she's just naming names oh my god is it so way, so my god. by the way you know now that i'm thinking back to um i think it's the leave taking chapter do you think that moraine intended Egwene to come along the whole time she just said it was part of the pattern yeah do, but do so you think, I, I, I do you think she knew that this was gonna that, that, i mean obviously she because she mentions you know, the moment that she met her, she knew what she was. I, she said that, and then she also said that uh, the amount of power or, or the ability uh, that Egwene had to, I guess, channel that light was something that, you know, a normal person would take months to achieve. Right. I, I'm, it, it had me thinking about what initially attracted um, Moraine to that particular, like to Edmunds Field. I don't think she intended for, I, okay, this is just my speculation, of course, as someone who hasn't read the book. I don't think her intention was to take Egwene along. I feel like it was just to kind of see what's going on and then leave. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's like just to see, because um, didn't she say that you can kind of sense another Aes Sedai? Like yeah, they're kind of what, drawn to each other? And she, she told Egwene that, you know, the second that she saw her, she knew what she was. So, I, I mean, is her power so large that she could even feel it from, you know, from far away? Because I, I, a part of me just felt like she came down there just to see, I don't know, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of uh, determine, like, who is it that's kind of causing this, this kind of spike? Yeah. I don't know. I think looking at how things unfold, I but don't... it just kind of took a left turn, basically. I don't think that Moraine was necessarily setting out to take Egwene with them. But I think when the opportunity presented itself, she was Feels not like, going to cool. turn that down. She was right. like, all right, so this is here. We're taking advantage of this. Let's take her with us. But yeah, I but think she did come to come and like, I feel like she knew she didn't know who Egwene was, but she knew someone was there that had a good amount of power. I feel like she came to that village for a reason to kind of like, uh, now that we're hearing that Egwene is an Aes Sedai with a lot of power, I feel like that was probably the, she probably knew that there was a lot of weird stuff happening in that village in general. She just wanted to see for herself. As Moraine has said, the old blood run, runs strong in the two rivers. Yes. Oh, that's so, that's so, um, God, it makes me want to go back to the two rivers. <laughs> <laughs> like I have so much to tell everyone. So uh, real quick, as we're wrapping up, um, Michelle, especially, and Justin, you too, some. What do you think of the actual magic that's explained here about the five powers? Yeah. And all of that. Like, what is your takeaway from that? So let's see. She said the men are um are fire and water. No, no, no. no. Sorry. The men are fire and earth. Earth. And the and the women are um, what is it, wind and water? Yeah. I don't yes. I don't know that that it's explicit. Is it explicitly stated here that I know, I know the women have the, water. I know it's mentioned that the men are stronger in earth and fire. And I so, guess that would hint at women being stronger in wind and water. Yeah. So it is, it's not like straight out said, but Moraine pretty much doesn't leave any room for doubt on that. Right. So basically what it is, is men and women, typically men are stronger with the, right, right. the fire and earth and women are stronger in water and air. Everyone's equally strong in spirit. Uh, now, that is the typical thing. That does not mean that a woman can't be strong in fire or earth or that a man can't be especially strong in water or air. 
but the typical thing is for it to work like that. I don't know why I kept saying when, by the way. I guess I was thinking, uh, what, Captain Planet? <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I was thinking about the Pokemon. Oh, I, was wow. like, I was like, well, you know what? I, <laughs> I was like, well, you know what? If I was, a, if I was an Isodad, I'd like to be grass. it's the most it's the most it's the most versatile of the Aes Sedai I feel like (laughs) Pokemon Sedai (laughs) so but but I was with I was with the going there where you're just trying to I think she also had kind of the Captain Planet Pokemon mindset there where it's like it's not fair but I I did agree so that what this told me too when she said like you know doesn't water you know uh, put out fire and yeah. sorry doesn't water put out fire and wind blow away the earth or something yeah it, it was, kind of it kind uh, of went back to the story of what you guys were telling me about how basically the female Sedai came and they kind of quelled the the male the male version. Well, um, it's, it's all about balance. Yeah. Balance. Um, Robert Jordan's big thing is balance, and so like. It's not that just because men typically are stronger in fire and earth doesn't make them stronger overall. It just makes them different. Yeah. And the I, things they can do different. I want to, I want to read that, that little section that you were referring to Michelle. Cause I, I, I really like uh, the way Moraine explains that uh, it begins the five powers. Egwin said slowly, earth, wind, fire, water, and spirit. It doesn't seem fair that men would have been strongest in wielding earth and fire. Why would they have had the strongest powers? Is that what you think, child? Is there a rock so hard that wind and water cannot wear it away? A fire so strong that water cannot quench it or wind snuff it out? Egwin was silent for a time, digging her toe into the forest floor. <laughs> um, but man, that's just the, there's some, uh, definitely some deep wisdom there that, yeah, those powers may seem stronger on the surface. And you think about it, you know, earth and fire, you know, you think of earth being strong, um, sturdy, fire, there's a lot that fire can do, but air and water are just as powerful in their own right. I just wanted, I wanted to look back at that because I really like that explanation. All right, guys. Well, I think we're about at the end of this chapter. Um, do y'all have any other thoughts on this before we kind of wrap up? We made it to Berlon. We did, but we don't really we, know. We entered that. the gate, and and I guess maybe we should mention real quick that uh, there's the one issue in Berlon is there are white cloaks in the city, and we learn that white cloaks um, hate Aes Sedai almost or as much as they hate dark friends. I, I love how that's like. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, we're here. Uh, we might be able to take a bath and everything, but by the way. Uh, there's this there, group here that there, hates us more, <laughs> more than some, there could be friends. some danger around the corner. So that gives us a hint, hint. <laughs> Everything's about to fall apart. This book is starting to feel short. You know what I mean? Like you, <laughs> when you initially get the book, it looks like it's a really big book, but with all the events that keep on happening, it just feels like there's not enough pages in here to kind of like explain everything that's going on. There is a lot to come still. Oh, so, I can't so wait. Much. And things are really, really just getting started. Like. Honestly, you could consider everything up to chapter 13. In 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 a sense, you could consider all of that prologue. Oh man. <laughs> like in in all honesty, like we're really now just now really starting our journey. Uh like everything up to this point has been building and shaping how we meet these characters and now the quest has begun. So it's like they're set the fellowship is setting out. <laughs> 
so it it, it just gets more crazy from here <laughs> so now the story really begins yep and i need to go study that map some more <laughs> no seriously we've we've now crossed over because you know it's like two pages initially Yep. Where one page is like the the two rivers and everything. I feel like we've officially crossed over to the other page. Yeah, you are now officially introduced on the map to the larger world. So well, I mean, we'll I to, have to go study this map a little yeah. bit more. I, I think we need to try to find you like a larger, uh, more readable copy of it. Oh, definitely. I was actually going to go on. Well, I guess I guess <laughs> I well, need to, I need to well, find a, a spoiler free way well, to find the map. We'll, we'll, <laughs> find, we'll find you one. <laughs> you guys will find me a map. <laughs> We will find you a map. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you guys again for joining me and for uh, having this awesome discussion. I have loved, again, getting to talk about everything with y'all. Um, real quick, before we uh, do anything else, I did want to get predictions from y'all like I always do. Michelle, Ooh. what do you think coming up? Gosh, I need to hear... I want, I want, you know what? It's not even what I think will come up. It's what I want to come up. I need for these next four chapters or, you know, our next set of chapters for Rand to finally tell everyone about his dream or at least talk to Moraine. Like, can we please just clear the air? There's so many like secrets still kind of sitting there. Um, secrets everywhere. And I know so many secrets. Um, but I think, um, I also think that Rand will have to very soon choose between good and bad, good and evil. I also don't think that Perrin and Matt are actually um, are actually relevant. And <laughs> with that being said, I mean they, they better <laughs> they better be cautious because usually when you're not relevant, you end up. Uh, we saw what happened with the peddler. Oh so. man! Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so that's my thoughts on Matt and Perrin. I don't think they're relevant at all. Okay, Justin, you have anything to add? Uh, no, I don't really think there's there's much I can add because I, I I don't want to get uh, into something we haven't gotten to yet. So uh -oh. <laughs> okay, uh -oh. all right. So uh, with that said, I think we will uh, wrap up and draw to a close. I want to thank you both for joining me again, and just uh, all our readers and listeners out there, uh, we are happy to have y'all along for the ride, and can't wait uh, to have you with us again next time. See you guys next week. All right. Yeah, everybody have a great week. See y'all. everyone justin here and we wanted to thank you again for joining us for this episode of the wind was a beginning if you like what you hear we would love it if you could leave us a rating and review wherever you heard this podcast and help us get the word out to more potential listeners in the meantime you can also email us at the wind was a beginning at gmail.com or you can interact with us on social media on twitter at wind beginning or on Instagram at The Wind Was a Beginning. We're also on YouTube and Facebook at The Wind Was a Beginning, a Wheel of Time podcast. We hope you'll come and join with us next time as we discuss chapters 14 through 18 of The Eye of the World. We'll see you then.